From the Gospel of John come these familiar words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned but those who do not believe in him are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil.
For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. And from the 13th chapter of Hebrews, starting at the 8th verse, we hear this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, for it is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by regulations about food, which have not benefited those who observe them. We have an altar from which those who officiate in the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in order to sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week you heard me tell the kind of famous old preacher story about the pig and the chicken. The story goes like this. The pig and the chicken decide they want to do something nice for the farmer. And so they decide, the chicken decides that they should make the farmer breakfast. What kind of breakfast should we make, the farmer, says the pig. And the chicken says, bacon and eggs. And the punchline last week of the story was that the pig says, Sir, for you, that's involvement. For me, it's commitment. I'm going to change the punchline for today and instead say to you that the pig said... For you, that's an offering. For me, it's a sacrifice. I want to talk today about sacrificial giving. Some of you just did this. Stay with me. Stay with me. The concept of sacrificial giving is an easy concept to grasp. It's easy to teach on. It's easy for you to get. Doing sacrificial giving is what's difficult. Right? The concept is easy. The task itself is difficult. 
What is sacrificial giving? Well, sacrificial giving says that our Lord and Savior Jesus, our Christ, took our place on a cross for our sins and sacrificed himself for you and for me. And because Jesus did that for us and took our place there, a place that we could never have fulfilled ourselves, therefore we should give back to God the way that God gave for us. Answer that, it might be Jesus calling. We can never sacrifice the way Jesus sacrificed for us. But we can give of ourselves in gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. If you'll recall the last time I preached on this text, I talked about how God the Father gave his Son. And I pointed to some of the children in this church and said, Parents, what would it mean to you to give your child? It mean everything. It mean the world to you. This is what God has sacrificed for us. So how do we possibly give back to God what God has given to us? Well, here's lesson number one. If you're taking notes today, write this down. You cannot outgive God, no matter how hard you try. Cannot outgive God. But you can give in gratitude for what God has done for you. Now, we have been talking about stewardship for the last six weeks or so. We have been had a couple of presentations specifically about the capital campaign and the organ, what we're doing there. Some of you have still worked yourselves into knots over this. Do not be naughty. Don't work yourselves into knots over this. It's not worth it. Because here's the thing. Sacrificial giving is not about the amount that you give. It's about the spirit in which you give. Some of you have closed your minds to this. The way I know that is you haven't been here for the sermon series which built upon itself and you didn't go to the presentations which also explain things to you. But more than that, some of you have closed your hearts off to this. And that's what worries me most. There is a fabulous story in the Bible about A widow. Let me tell you something about a widow that we have in this congregation. If anybody who is ever going to be on the session, is on the session, or has been on the session, comes to me and says, we can save money by not passing out offering envelopes every year, I'm going to argue. Let me tell you why. Because there is one widow in this church who gives to this church Every single week. 
Now, I right now have more money in my pocket than she gives every week. But the faithfulness and the heart with which she gives every single week is amazing. It's not the amount you give, it's the heart with which you give it. The story of the widow in the Bible is this. Jesus is sitting with his friends and he's teaching with them and he's in the temple. And you can see in the temple, the text tells us where they are. They're sitting watching people drop their coins into what were long metal tubes that made noise when the coins went down them. So that they could show off how much they were giving and how many coins went down. And Jesus sees a poor widow woman who takes the least coin she has and drops two of them quietly down the tin pipes. And he says to his friends, look, she has given more than all of the rest. Because they give out of their abundance. They just pass a little around. But she has given all she has from her heart. Presbyterian Women (laughs) is a fabulous organization. It started in the church because men pushed women out and said, you go over there and do your thing and don't bother us. And now that they have millions and millions of dollars, the men are now saying, why don't you come and be part of the church again? And they've always been missionally minded and internationally missionally minded. That's part of what Presbyterian women is all about. And once, in, shortly after the end of World War II, in the 1950s, Presbyterian women took a mission trip around the world. And one of the people with them was a woman living in America who was Indian. And they went first to India and they were welcomed with open arms in India. And then they went to Japan. And when they went to Japan, remember this is less than 10 years after the U.S. has dropped nuclear bombs on Japan. The women were greeted and given lays, beautiful flower lays to put around their necks. All the women, except the Americans. They said, we can't do that for you. You're our enemies. Then this delegation of Presbyterian women went on. They went to Japan. They went from Japan to the Philippines. And in the Philippines, they said, would you let the women from Japan come and help you rebuild your war-ravaged churches? And they said, no, they did this to us. Why would we ever let them in? The woman who lived in America who had an Indian passport went on and was trying to get in where the delegation went to South Korea and they wouldn't honor her visa because she was from India because they said, you know, 
The Indians were supposed to be the neutral party to help Korea decide how to divide itself. And the Korean people didn't want to be divided, so we don't like the Indians either. And as that delegation was meeting in South Korea, this woman who was involved in Presbyterian women here in the States prayed screamed out to God and cried at what she saw, at the lack of fellowship and reconciliation and justice among the the women that she had met and the peoples of the world. And from that experience, an organization called The Least Coin was developed now, some of you, if you've ever been involved in Presbyterian women, knew that when, like, least coin came around to you and you passed it and you'd throw a buck in the plate and you'd go on. No, least coin is supposed to be women from around the world coming together in reconciliation for justice and peace in the world and giving the very least coin of their country's currency to make a difference. And why the least coin? So that we could all be equal. So that we could all have the same stature. So we didn't have to worry about this person gave more, this person gave more. Like the children today, nobody knew what the other one was giving. But everybody gave. And it has been millions and millions and millions of dollars that the least coin has been able to give to make a difference for women and children in our world. But the least coin, you know, when I was on the national staff of the church working for Presbyterian women, it was their 50th anniversary of the least coin, and some of our delegation went to India to be with them. And what they came home saying was not, look at the money, look at the least coin, look at who they've helped. They came home saying, this organization is incredible because you can feel the presence of God through the prayers that have bathed that place for 50 years. One cannot stand in the presence of God without being moved without being changed without having your heart affected by what God has done for you we're going to take up an offering today a special offering where you're going to be asked to pledge for three years what you will give to the organ. This money has to be in addition to your regular giving. But here's the thing, for some of you, that most of you, 
which shouldn't be a big deal because more than half of the people of this church give nothing every year. Like I said, some of you have tied yourselves in knots over this. Don't bother. If you gave something at all, even a least coin, you would be giving. And trust me, it will change your life. Did you all ever watch Freddie Price on TV? Nobody ever watched Freddie Price? I love Freddie Price. Freddie Price runs a, well, he did. He just recently passed away. But he ran a, a, a black megachurch in Los Angeles. Fabulous. He walked around with a, one of them flappy, what the, my professor used to call a flappy-doo Bible. And he'd flappy-doo his Bible and he'd walk around. He had this big stage and he'd walk all the way around the stage with his flappy-doo Bible and tell crazy stories. And one of the crazy stories he told was that when he was a young preacher, he was driving this old jalopy of a car, and the car was falling apart, and he and his wife went out, and they laid their hands on the car, and they prayed for a Cadillac. And darned, if I'm telling you the way the story goes, if the next day didn't one of his members drive up into his driveway with a new Cadillac. There is a line of theology called the prosperity gospel which says the reason you should give is so that you get back. The more you give, the more wealth you'll have. If you think you hear that here today, please let me know because I will resign my post immediately. You will be blessed if you give. That is not the reason we give. We give because of what has been given to us. Listen, fellas. My salary is a matter of public record. You vote on it every year. You know how much money I make. I would dearly love to get to the point where I could be like Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose Driven Church. Remember that purpose-driven stuff we did? If I could be like him, I would be thrilled with my giving. Because you know what he does? 90% of his income he gives away. He lives on the tithe. He lives on the 10%. And actually, if you think about it, you can reach a point in your life where you do that. Once your house is paid off and your kids are paid off and your kids are educated and the phase in life where some of us actually are at this point. I don't give 90% of my income away. I do give, and this is not bragging, I give about 60% of my income away. And the reason I'm telling you that and saying it's not bragging is because here's what I want you to know. I love my church. I love you all. And I want you to know 
the joy and the peace and the calm that I feel knowing that I give to God and God's purposes and God's kingdom. Some of you have closed yourself off to that. Open your hearts and your minds up again. It's not about the amount you give. It's about the spirit with which you give it. You cannot outgive our glorious, generous God. So pray, give, and let the music live. Amen.